The Holy Gospel is written in the 19th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the 41st verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When Jesus was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even to the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit. Well, words from those, words from that gospel we just heard read, Jesus said, and I think he's still saying, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. It's often said, isn't it, that the task of the preacher is two-edged, to comfort the disturbed, but also to disturb the comfortable. Well, also with Jesus in the Gospels. We see many instances of Jesus bringing comfort, strength, encouragement, and healing to the needy, to the broken, and indeed to the disturbed. So much so that we can end up, if we're not careful, with a rather bland image of the God who is both a God of mercy but also of justice. But the story of Christ's action in overthrowing and overturning the established order of things in the temple, told in fact in all four Gospels, is the other side of the coin, isn't it? Not only comforting the disturbed, but huh, also disturbing violently the comfortable. In this case, the comfortable profiteers from the perversion of religion. Jesus' protest was and still is threefold. First, there were those money changers. Let's take a look at them. You see, every male Jew was forced to pay the annual temple tax. It was half a shekel. And although this could have been paid locally, it could, could have been paid locally in especially erected booths every Passover. In practice, most of it was paid by the pilgrims coming to Jerusalem when they came for the feast of the Passover. And although all kinds of currencies were in order at that time and were accepted, ah, you could guess, can't you? Ah, the temple tax, of course, had to be paid in exact half shekels of the sanctuary shekel, the special religious currency, the religious currency necessitating 
exchanging money. Ah, and, well, you can guess, can't you? Nothing much has changed. It was a right old racket and a rip-off. Money changers were notorious at making a killing. And, of course, all in the name of religion, all in the name of God. We did it then, we're still doing it. Secondly, there were the sellers of the animals for sacrifice. You could buy the prescribed sacrificial animals, as Mary and Joseph had to do when the baby Jesus, you remember, was presented in the temple. You could, in fact, have bought them outside the temple at a very reasonable price from the local farmer, perhaps. But the temple authorities, ah, they'd appointed special inspectors who had to examine the sacrificial animals bought outside the temple to see that they were perfect in every way without spot or wrinkle. So most people in practice were forced to buy from the temple precincts and, yes, again you can guess, they were wildly more expensive from the temple shops, known in fact the temple shops for buying animals were known as the booths of Annas, the ecclesiastical Harrods of Christ's day. No wonder Christ was first brought to trial before Annas of the Annas high priestly dynasty of his day with the trumped-up charge of overthrowing and destroying the temple. But there's a third more subtle implication in this whole story. Christ is quoting here a quote from Isaiah when he said, my house shall be a house of prayer. But in Isaiah, as in Mark's account actually, the words are added, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, for all nations. You see, in front of the temple, running the whole breadth of the temple was what was called the court of the Gentiles. It was like a portico in front of the main entrance of the temple. And the word in Greek for in front of the temple is profane, giving us the word profane. Profane, literally, in front of the temple, but meaning also unclean, non-kosher. Because, of course, Gentiles, the very word itself literally means, as you know, outsider. And these outsiders were not allowed, of course, into the religious part of the building where all the religious people were. In fact, there was a dividing curtain between the court of the outsiders, the Gentiles, and the insiders, the religious people, which you remember on Good Friday, the gospel tell us, as Jesus died, was torn in two from top to bottom. That is highly symbolic and highly significant. And it was there in the court of the Gentiles that the money changing from secular money into religious money and from ordinary animals into religiously acceptable animals, all that took place, yes. All that shenanigans in the name of religion went on there in the court reserved for the outsiders the non-religious people, hijacked in the name of religion. So now do you see why this symbolic act of Jesus was so violent? 
and arouse the wrath of God, the anger of God, Jesus. And it's central, I believe, to the message of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. You see, Jesus came to abolish and to tear down the religious Berlin walls which we've all erected. The Berlin walls separating the sacred from the secular, religious from the profane, insiders from outsiders, poor from rich, and all the other divisions which humankind have erected throughout history. And nearly, of course, sadly, dear friends, always in the name of religion. 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 First Paul says, in Christ there are no divisions between Greek, he says, or Jew, male or female, bond or free. And today he might have added between black or white, Jew or Palestinian, gay or straight, you go on and name it. No apartheid, religious or otherwise. And again, as Paul says, tearing down the wall of division, making of, he says in Ephesians, of the two, one new humanity in himself, Jesus, our great high priest. Put another way, Jesus came to turn religion, the church, inside out in order to let the outsider in. So fundamental is this to the gospel of mercy and justice that although Matthew, Mark, and Luke put the cleansing of the temple at the end of their account, John puts it right at the beginning when Jesus first visited the temple in Jerusalem, saying, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. How? John tells us. Jesus in his risen body, the body of Christ, will be the new temple, not made with hands. His church, his Catholic, universal, all-inclusive church, this body of Christ, whose you and I are members of, you and I are the living stones of Christ's body, the church, the temple of God. So that in the book of Revelation, you'll remember, St. John tells us from his vision that in the new Jerusalem, there is no temple, no division between sacred and secular, no division between outsider and insider, for all are one in Christ, in his mystical body, whose members we are by faith, grace, and baptism. And in that living temple, whose stones you and I are, Christ, ah, he is the sacrificial lamb, without spot or blemish, whose blood shed for you and me is beyond price. Grace, often described, you remember, grace as an absolutely free gift, costing absolutely everything. Christ has bought us and redeemed us at a great price, dear friends, and made us acceptable to his Father and ours. So this action by Christ in the temple cost him his life, 
requiring immense courage to stand up and be counted and be crucified. We call it, of course, as Bonhoeffer does, the cost of discipleship. Bonhoeffer, who we remember, stood up against the established church of his day in Germany and against Hitler, and again at the cost of his life. So God grant to his church in our day the gift of his grace to stand for Christ, both to comfort the disturbed, yes indeed, but also not to be afraid to disturb the comfortable. Since, Lord, thou dost defend us with thy spirit, we know we at the end shall life inherit. Then fancies flee away. I'll fear not what men say. I labor night and day to be a pilgrim. Amen.